This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast, the Villa podcast that, according to one listener, excluding when Villa are actually playing on the pitch, is his favourite hour of the week. Happy hour. Yeah, he describes it as intelligent, funny and very thoughtful. Thanks, Mum. Are you sure it's this podcast? <laughs> anyway, I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOnManSaid.com. Joining me, which one are you providing? Intelligent, funny or the very thoughtful Mr. Bud? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> none of the above none of the above none of the above mr chris hello <laughs> welcome How you doing? very good um uh, i'm enjoying the snow actually it's it's some transcendence from the lockdown have you been walking in a winter wonderland as well uh i have i have been today yes uh also joining both of us as always uh complaining about his teeth was rattling when uh he signed on to do this recording mr phil shaw how you doing Hello, good. I've, I just built my old snowman set. <laughs> well, what you should do is, uh, as Dan Rogers used to record in an igloo, you want to build yourself an igloo. That will insulate you uh, during these uh, icy times. Oh, they would probably try and put some rates on it if I put an igloo in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, uh, is it bedroom tax? or What did it used to be? Poll tax? That was based on number of bedrooms, wasn't it? Well, igloo that was the tax. Idea. <laughs> igloo tax, yeah. Right, uh, well, high expectations to meet there uh, from that review that we uh, we got in from a listener in America. Thank you very much for that. Kind of a strange one, this uh, this game to talk about, but uh, the Newcastle thing, because it was uh, a bit of a routine affair, but uh, we'll be talking about that. So also coming up, uh, we'll go through the recent Villa news and three points gets rather exotic uh, we look at the latest chapter in the uh, the European Super League uh, as it tries to leverage uh, its proposals uh, and take advantage of the pandemic we also have various rituals and uh, also voodoo and witchcraft uh, making up the three points as well then we'll get on to uh, the match which the underlining theme was the return of the cabbage Mr Steve Bruce was uh, going through a, a bad patch get that cabbage like patch, it get that and uh, <laughs> that was just off the top of my head i'm quite impressed a routine win at the end of the day we'll talk about that and then the under or overrated which we didn't do uh, in the last show but uh, it's worth waiting it's connected to newcastle it's uh, mr nolberto solano or better known as nobby solano right let's get into the villa news first of all number one Old Villas Boas, the Marseille coach, dismissed Aston Villa's initial uh, approaches to get uh, midfielder Morgan Sanson as pathetic. I think we were trying to bid seven seven million uh, plus add-ons. I, I don't know if that was pounds or euros. I think they threw in an extra five, and now it's gone up to converted into pounds, fourteen million. 
plus add-ons, which could raise it to 15.5. He didn't play against Monaco at the weekend and uh, Villas Boas. Mr. AVB uh, in the post-match of that Monaco game uh, essentially said he was on his way to Villa. And Dean Smith in the post-match against Newcastle, also without naming him, admitted uh, there was a deal being knocked out for somebody. So... uh, we will assume it's him and by the time you listen to this who knows he may be having his medical so we look forward to uh, seeing what uh, old morgan has to offer bit of space yeah hopefully a bit of gallic flair point number two louis barry continues to impress with a uh, hat trick for the under 23s in the 3-2 away win at norwich city so it's good to see him. I think he's just a natural goal scorer, yeah. isn't he? As yeah. we all saw uh, in that Liverpool game. The last news uh, since we last spoke, which wasn't that many days ago, the Villa ladies who uh, I mentioned were woeful against Manchester City. It's not just the level of opponent. Their, their defending was sh- shambolic at times. Managed to uh, restore some pride with their 2-2 draw against mid-table Reading with uh, Mana Iwabuchi, the new signing from uh, Japan, scoring and, and getting the assist uh, as they managed. I think the, the equaliser came pretty late Late on. She looks a bit of a Louis Barry, actually, probably the same height, and uh, seems to uh, be have a bit of a natural finisher about her. Uh, right, three points. European Super League, we've mentioned it before. There seems to be, uh, it seems to be evolving in the background rather than, uh, and refusing to die rather than going away. Uh, FIFA and UEFA have uh, essentially said they will ban any player from international football who signs up for the European Super League. So uh, it'll be teams that are signing up for it. Yeah. And I mean, once you get into that territory, then you start to, uh, I think you, you enter the courts there. Uh, senior FIFA figures have said they believe uh, the authority of the governing bodies would stand up to any legal challenge as well. Uh, I mean, we've gone through the, the details before about this. Uh, but the underlining thing is what they want to do is uh, a 20-club competition starting in stroke 23 season with 15 permanent members, including Premier League's Big Six, United, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, Spurs and Aston Villa. I'm joking hmm. about the Aston Villa. Uh, Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I think, you know, 2023. I think we'll be in the the, the Big Six then. So uh, they, they should uh, just put these plans on hold. Anyway, the plans are reported to include Include the 15 founding clubs sharing an initial 3.1 billion infrastructure grants. Who's paying for that? (laughs) That's a good question. It's it's never mentioned in the small print. The idea that it would include replacing revenues lost since the pandemic first. This is how they're trying to get people on board. They're saying, oh, you lost money on pandemic? Right, we'll give you a big uh, healthy uh, startup fee to compensate the absence of crowds. The founding clubs would be offered 310 million to join. And when you're looking at uh, that Spurs and Arsenal took out uh, COVID support loans, you can see why they're coming uh, at that angle. But uh, it's one of those things, sleep with one eye open. Don't don't believe it's just going to go away. And it's uh, the stuff of fantasy. When big money's involved like that, uh, it's it's seems to talk, and this this would probably destroy football. I think in terms certainly of certainly the, the international league. game as well. I would say you know if, if yeah. some players are, I think are you know, have the mindset, oh, all right, I've got to, I've got to choose between playing at the top, you know, the tip top level of club football or playing for international football. Especially if you play for a dare I say a second rate international team, you're probably going to go, yeah, all right, see you later. I'll take the paycheck. It's a career after all. And you'll get all the supporters who, you know, the kind of supporters I'm talking about, but the type of people that don't listen to this show, put it that way, that would just uh, buy into this because, you know, they're they're not really interested in uh, the traditions of football and uh, it's kind of value as a competition either. It's it's worrying that it keeps, every time that a a new proposal keeps getting leaked, it seems to have evolved again and again. So they're just throwing things at the wall and saying, you know, which is more palatable. So there's definitely work going on in the background. Yeah, and uh, until they get some kind of uh, traction. Right, point number two. This is a corker, by the way. Let's uh, get a little bit more international. Uh, The Zambian Super League side, Forest Rangers, their goalkeeping coach has been suspended by the Zambian Football Association after he was caught urinating on on a goalpost before the game against the the fantastically named Prison Leopards. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who I now support. What a name? Can you remember, what's the kit like? They're, they're my, brilliant. I don't know, but I'm buying it. They're my second team and I, I don't know anything about them. Just I've just seen their name for the first time as I read it. What a team. Surely they've got to be storming that league. 
Anyway, a mem- <laughs> member of the crowd filmed the moment Charles Chilishy sprinkled an unknown substance in the opposition goal. Moments later, he appeared to urinate against one of the goalposts ahead of last weekend's Super Division clash at the President's Stadium. Now, do we know what the unknown substance is, or is that why that it's unknown still? Drug test. <laughs> but this is, this is, what is this, a good luck uh, be ceremony? Yeah. Is this like, is this the equivalent of the uh, Tommy Elphick headbutt in the post routine, kicking the post? I mean, it could be. It's a bit more, slightly more vulgar, isn't it? I mean, geez, it's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of in the same ballpark as like David James going into the uh, Menji Ronalds before a game, waiting until everyone's empty and then spitting on the wall. I mean, because it was behind closed doors, uh, the, the recent Premier League games, we haven't really been able to see what the players are doing uh, pre-match, but maybe Neyland did this before that Sheffield United game, pissed on the goalposts yeah. and short-circuited the Hawkeye <laughs> camera. <laughs> that would be a, a very valid uh, a explanation. There's something in this. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm presuming it's for good luck. Well, it's either good luck or bad luck to someone. But anyway, I'm looking forward to the uh, the Prison Leopards podcast show on the uh, the My Old Man Said Patreons uh, podcast to look channel. Out for. Dedicated <laughs> Prison Leopard show. Hosted by Phil Shaw. He's got a new job. (laughs) Yeah, I hope it's not on location, (laughs) on safari. I don't know, Phil, if it's warm, I'll take take that gig. (laughs) Right, uh, number three, the uh, the fun continues. Uh, We're still in Africa, are we not? We're still in Zimbabwe. No, no, we're in Zambia. No, Zambia last time. Yeah, so we're in Zimbabwe. We've 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 moved. I'm not going to be very good in location, am I? I know. <laughs> Zimbabwe head coach, and here's another great name, Zdravko. I think he's Croatian, is it? Zdravko Logorusic has refused to blame Cameroon's alleged witchcraft for his side's defeat in their African Nations Championship opener after a bat carcass was found <laughs> on the pitch ahead of the game. <laughs> But he has outlined his belief that such intimidation tactics have no place in sport. I just liked his opening line uh, when he said, if you want to talk professionally, (laughs) those things should not be involved in anything professionally. For sure, football is football. Sport is sport. Photograph exposed that these things still exist. Has it been going on for a while? Those things do not surprise me because already I saw it in different countries where I worked in Africa. Tell you what, I think African football's the the league, the national league's probably got a lot more interesting things going on than the Premier League. Uh, I, I like the fact that a dead a dead bat is a form of intimidation tactic. It's not it's not quite the the hacker, is it? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. You have some people in Africa who believe in, uh, is it juju or witchcraft, or they go to see some people to see magic or pay people to do things, the Croat said. I already saw a few things. I already had some experiences because I saw that some club officials paid people to do things. Mm. I'm not unfamiliar with. So club officials are giving bungs to witch doctors. <laughs> this is This is fantastic stuff. So what what have you got in the Premier League? You've got like teams like Liverpool, you've got VAR. Meanwhile, over in Africa, you've got the Prison Leopards and you've got Witchcrap. Witchcrap, indeed. <laughs> you've got people pissing on posts, witchcraft and back carcasses and I mean, stuff. we've got, Villa have got a celebrity fan, though, haven't we? We've got one of the Weasley twins who did go to Hogwarts after all, so maybe we need to get him involved in a slightly more creative way. Mm, yeah, I mean, he's not really voodoo, mm. though, is he? I mean, in Villa context, I remember when uh, when... Delph, uh, Fabian Delph finally uh, disappeared off to Manchester City and s- there was a video of somebody burning his sh- Villa shirt and I think in his first England appearance he got injured and he, I think he got injured at City pretty early as well so that might have been connected to that shirt burning uh, voodoo ritual. Anyway, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Google prison leopards when I get off this uh, show <laughs> and take it from there. I might I might Google them and witchcraft in the same search to see if they've been uh, culpable of uh, any wrongdoings as well before I get involved emotionally. Yeah. What, in, what, in and what happens if they have? Are you going to bind to it more or less? <laughs> well, well, we'll Depends find what out their we'll, we'll, see what kind of, we'll find out what kind of carcasses. Uh, hope, hopefully, not leopard carcasses. It's not like in Turkey where they <laughs> slaughter a goat. Yeah. You can ask Samatta about that. That's probably why he scored a couple of goals so far. Uh, right, for, before we move on, I just want to say a big thank you to the My Old Man Said patrons for uh, signing up in the last week or so. Thank you very much to uh, 
Matthew Gray, Andy Price, and also for the annual uh, subscribers. If you uh, subscribe for the year, you get 15% off, which is two months free. Thank you very much, Luke Wilson, Michael McCarthy, Cameron Gordon, William Dugdale, Colin McKay, the legend that is uh, Colin McKay, and James Bakewell as well. And also thank you for Hewell Grimmett. We've got a few Grimmits, haven't we? Are they, are these, is this yeah, like the maybe. whole family signing up? Do they get? Do they get like a group rate? I don't know. We'll have to do a mom's Patreon family fortune podcast <laughs> channel, Ooh. the Grimmett Family Fortune Podcast Show exclusive. Thank you very much. Uh, all my Omensa patrons get access to Match Club, which uh, is our uh, secret meet for every game to uh, hopefully uh, compensate for the behind-closed-doors nature of uh, having to follow Villa now. I think the Newcastle one went on uh, for a few hours, didn't well, it? it was a full-on Saturday night uh, rave. It was more exciting than the actual game, I think, in, in the end. Definitely. Because of that game was so routine, we ended up talking about the Villa-Preston game that sealed the uh, <laughs> the death blow to Steve Bruce when he was a Villa manager for probably longer than the Newcastle game, amongst other things. Oh, and also, uh, for new for 2021, is uh, My Old Man Said uh, Patreon exclusive podcast channel where we'll be doing regular shows such as The Mad Few and also Off the Record and when I finally craft this uh, My Old Mandalorian Said show which should be out this week it's a bit of a uh, editing uh... yeah it's got more cuts than Blade Runner <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a, a editing masterclass, I think. Well, I've just built it up there, so I'm going to have to actually spend more time on it. But uh, as you will get those uh, benefits uh, as, soon, as soon as you uh, sign up. So go to myomansaid.com and check on the Patreon link for more details and how to uh, sign up there. Thank you very much. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, match reaction. The game starts off. Dean Smith in the stands, fined 8,000. I don't think he was uh, fined that and had that punishment just for talking about juggling balls at Christmas. I think they overheard him say a few things as he walked off, I think is my reading of uh, what happened. More than likely, considering what you said, you fucking prick, as he walked down the tunnel. So, <laughs> might, have, might have had something to do with that, I think. Maybe, I mean, but Tim compared well, to the rest know, of who us. knows? Each to their own. It's open to interpretation, frankly. Yeah, I wonder if they got VAR on it and they got a VAR uh, lip reader to. Uh, well, everybody else at Stanley Park seems to be robbing a living, so why not give everybody else a job? Yeah. No, well, they're exactly. right, they can give me one. But anyway, the, uh, the big news was. Uh, how would uh, Smith replace uh, McGinn in terms of uh, lining up against Newcastle? Nakamba came in. Was that a surprise to you? A little bit, yeah. I thought he'd shuffle the pack a bit and put one of the, you know, one of Trezeguet or El Ghazi in, and maybe put Jack in the middle. But in the end, he made the right decision. I would say. Yeah, that's what I thought he was uh, was going to do. So, I mean, that really suggests that. In Smith's eyes, Jack's best position in his eyes is on the left-hand side where he thinks he can be more effective in terms of linking up with Barkley. Yeah. I don't, would, would you say Louise was playing further forward? I think he had um, 
he had the responsibility to play further forward. Yeah. Um, because Nakamba did sit and just like he just recycled. That was it. That was all he was there to do, and he, he did it yeah. very, very well. That was probably yeah, one of Louise's really sort of more careless games. I think maybe he was um instead of playing playing the symbol ball, he was trying to you know take on some of the creative responsibility, and a few passes were going astray. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he actually apologized f- after the game. Yeah, he did actually, didn't he? Yeah. But no, he, he, looked, he almost just had an air of almost forcing it a little bit against, you know, Newcastle at some top points. You know, they had like a back six, basically. So he was able yeah, to sort the, of force uh, the issue. Simon Hooper uh, actually had, for, for Villa, in terms of what's been happening uh, in terms of VAR and referees, he had quite, he was fairly anonymous. He was the referee for the 5 5 against Forrest, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, whatever so. game did uh, we recall him from? I think when we got beat 3 0 by Watford as well. I think that was uh, the last time, yeah. wasn't it, we had him? Uh, the opening goal, Ollie Watkins finally scores, although, you know, to me, I wasn't concerned about him uh, scoring or not because he was, uh, it wasn't like, from my point of view, there was a monkey on his back because of the amount of work uh, he was actually doing. But, uh, of course, uh, you know, for a striker who gets paid to score, it would be a weight off his shoulders. But was there some kind of uh, debate about offside on that one? There, there kind of seemed to be a debate, but actually the decision seemed pretty cut and dry. It didn't go to VAR, I don't think, and it was... Well, they, I mean, they, they view everything... Uh, yeah. they, they do all goals, but like a routine check, but... No, I, I think because um, I think when the ball is played and you see it on uh, VAR, you think, oh, well, is he, he is offside or he's ahead of the play. But then, um, of course, the, the Newcastle lad hits the ball, um, you know, gets his leg to the ball, it, it comes to him and therefore it's it, it's come off him and he then becomes, I suppose, active or it becomes yeah. a different phase and he put, you know, puts the ball away. And I mean, let's mention, what on earth was the goal he doing? Yeah, because I, I, I didn't even shocking. notice... <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching it the first time, and, and he scores, you know, you, you, your focus is on his up ball going in the back of the net, and it, you know, and, and it does, and there you go. And then you see the replay, and you go, "What on earth is he doing?" Because <laughs> I keep to begin with, you, you give you, know, you give Watkins the credit. You go, "Oh yeah, well done for being brave." And you think actually the goal is that ball is there to be won. Yeah, he, he raises his hands, he gets he there. Get shorter, but jumping. It was weird because he would have got that. I, you know, it, it, it he went the, with his um, fists. It was a very similar level of crap as the uh, the derby goalie in the yep. playoff final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or What I would say, going back to the the VAR thing, it was just it was so quick and everything else that you were having to sort of do your own VAR because even though he was offside, if we're using the VAR lines, you know, on the man, he he was behind the ball, so even it shouldn't never have been a discussion. Yeah. Well, thank God it, it stood. I mean, I, I I think somebody said in Match Club, did you actually celebrate that goal? And I was thinking, no, I didn't actually because I, I didn't know what was happening. A, what the keeper was doing. And then there seemed to be some kind of, uh, is it offside or not? And then he was offside, but unfortunately that was, I mean, it was a great finish and he, he was yeah, offside was. on that on that second mm-hmm. check. But I think that if he if that was given or if he wasn't offside and he scored, I think you would have seen a different game there because that would have been a quick one-two punch yeah. and that, that would yeah. have broken Newcastle and I think we'd have opened up and Watkins probably would have gone on for his hat trick. I mean, a Palomar, who's a Newcastle fan, fan, said, and I'd actually agreed with him before the game, that if we score first, we will win. Um, and, and as soon as we scored that first goal, he said, right, let the floodgates open. But I was, I was pleased for Watkins. You know, if ever there's a, a player in our side at the moment who who could have done with a little bit of a lucky break, it's him. And I think he maybe, maybe got one for the first. He's a little bit unlucky for the with the one that was obviously um, offside. But I think Jack had delayed his pass, hadn't he? Slightly, sort of had yeah. a really good run, incisive passage of play, but just held on to the ball at a split second too long. And in the end, it was actually a very easy decision. Has anybody was, been counting the amount of disallowed goals that Watkins had this season so far? We've lost it count. Must be must be topping the league. Yeah, but. In better news, um, that's this third-headed goal. And when we think of the league last year, we had to wait until Samara headed one against uh, Bournemouth for us to get a yeah. headed goal in the league. Yeah, wow. you're right. That's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Grealish is now on eight assists in 17 Premier League appearances for Villa this season. I think that's more than he's, than he's had in his first four seasons uh, in, the, in the Premier League combined, which is seven in 70 games. If he gets... Uh, in the next two games, Burnley Southampton. If he gets uh, well, even you know one, shall we say, in that, then he's. Uh, I think what's the record in the season? It's nineteen by Thierry Henry and De Bruyne. I think is the joint record. Right. Then he's on track to uh, challenge that. I mean, I think the big barometer for Jack is getting 
10 for each, isn't it, really? That's that's where you want him to be, to, to be going yeah. on with, and then obviously push Yeah, I think on. he'll get the assist one easy, but uh, I think he needs... Uh, if he gets over 10, then you, you could call him a clinical uh, midfielder in terms of scoring, and I think that's what he needs to add to his game. Just mm-hmm. that, and, and the Villa team, per se, just that little bit more clinicalness. Uh, I mean, I was watching the highlights of the Manchester United-Liverpool game, and it's the highlights, so I don't know, you know, maybe they've been spawning loads of chances, but certainly the early chances, the way they took them away... Both Manchester United and Liverpool, you think, yeah, that's that level of clinicalness. If Villa had it, then we would really be in, you know, pushing it mm-hmm. in terms of the Europe places. But that's something that comes with, uh, you know, the players. I mean, Barkley's just come back after a long layoff. Once they uh, get back in the groove, we can get closer to uh, achieving that kind of level of yeah, uh, punishment. I, th- I think that the, the reality was of the, of the the Newcastle game was that we we probably didn't ha- get out of second gear that often, but didn't really need to. Um, yeah, our final ball, our final decision or shot wasn't quite there. You know, we I think both goals were actually you know pretty well taken, especially the the Traore one, which I'm sure we'll come on to next. But you actually thought if Villa wanted to, and I think you said this during and after the game, Villa can go through these if they want to, but they never really needed to Jack because the English said it as well, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? These well, are I, shit. Yeah, just, just, keep it, just keep it moving. Yeah. Keep it moving. These are shit. Yeah, and uh, you know there's lots of talk about why was he so well? We discussed it in Match Club. Why was he so uh, disappointed? He had a look like uh, it was almost like he'd already scored two goals and they were there for the taking, and he wanted a hat trick. Yeah. And if and the hat trick would have given him the golden boot for the season, the way he looked when he was taken off. He just loves to play, doesn't he? Yeah, even Douglas Louise got on to it. He said uh, the, the, yeah. the look in your face when your mum calls you away from the PlayStation for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know if it was just because he, he was almost angry with the ineptitude of Newcastle and just thought we should be battering these. There might have been a little bit of that. Yeah, our, our biggest, the, the biggest threat to Villa was us lowering our levels so much, just being sort of like yeah. bored into submission and making a mistake. And luckily we didn't. Konza a few times bailed us out. Well, but uh, in the first half, Mings had a brilliant clearance off the, the header was goal bound and Mings cleared yes, it well. Yes, he did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the only reason, the only moment I felt, uh, you know, threatened that there might be a, a momentum shift when Bruce did the double substitution, when uh, Max, Maximin and Fraser came on. But then I just thought to myself, well, this guy hasn't played for months and uh, I don't think there will be a threat. And he was trying to run at us from the halfway line, wasn't he? You know, he was never really in the final third. Plus, Carroll was lively in the initial exchanges. Well, he's aggressive, but, but he, he didn't... Yeah. He's not no, a threat. Oh, marshaled him well. And that's the thing, you've got to get deliveries in for him to be a threat and, and, uh, and, and, they, and, they, and they weren't forthcoming. Are, um, yeah, Newcastle are such a passive team in how they play that they were never either going to be aggressive with the ball in terms of throwing men forward or, or in pressing or anything. They just sort of put men behind the ball, but they don't press it. It's a... Yeah. A bizarre way of playing. Definitely, it's a bizarre way of playing because the, there are players in that Newcastle team that you think to yourself they could do a job in another team, but they just look like they've been grabbing three at a dartboard and see wherever the stick that's where they play. Well, there's a few Newcastle fans saying that actually personnel were, were reasonably similar, uh, Villa and Newcastle, but they just haven't got a way of pl- they haven't got a way of playing, and uh, and Villa are playing the way that Newcastle see themselves as their divine right is you know what, how they should play. Well, they, I suppose historically they look back to the days of Keegan and the swashbuckling days of Will score one more than you, but that era they had two of the best strikers in the league. They had Tino Espria yeah. as well. You had Ginola. Keith Gillespie, you know, they were two phenomenal wingers. You know, you had a young Lee Clark who was good, uh, Rob Lee, you know, they had good players. You look at their team sheet now and you think, you've got nothing. But they had Darren Peacock in defence. and Shaka I think I make, is this the Was it in Match Club that I, I went on talking about this, about Villa's defence and how uh, in team sports, and excuse me if I'm repeating myself, uh, if you listen to this in Match Club, in team sports like, the bedrock, whether it's NFL or football, the bedrock of a championship-winning team is a is a good defense, like a you know very good defense. Newcastle never had that in you know their uh, utopian team under Keegan. No. That was that was their downfall. You can have a great attack, but you'll never win a league with an all-out great attack if your defense isn't uh, doing its job. But you know, switch it the other way, and uh, you know Arsenal under George Graham. They won the league mainly for being a very, very, very good defensive team. You know, one nil to the Arsenal. If they scored, that was it. Was pretty much game over. But you know, looking at this Villa team, and that's the ninth clean sheet in seventeen games. Only Manchester City uh, 
can beat that with 10 and that's because you know the opposition can't get the ball off them but Villa's defence now I mean Target and uh, Cash have gone up another level I mean Target is a different player to the one that yeah, we saw brilliant. last season and I love the thump sound when he uh, absolutely clattered there I can't remember who it was was he the right back I forget who yeah. it was it's a great yeah. tackle and left him in a heap on the floor. And then Matty Cash had another assured game. You know, Conzer, I think, was man of the match. He was superb. I mean, there's a few shouts there. You've got Watkins, you've got Conzer, you've got Target. Traore as well. Had a really good yeah, game, Traore. I thought. Yeah, I, I thought he was, Took his goal superbly. But, uh, sticking with the, uh, the uh, Target. Target in the last, I don't know, two, three games has been uh, like what you would class as a top class uh, He's left been getting back. progressively better since the start of the season, I think. He's had some difficult games and he's really grown into his role and I, th- I think as Smith had said he just needed the run of games and not getting injured and yeah. feeling like he's the man but he certainly knows how to tackle now and that was uh, the criticism about him was his the def- defensive side of his game Yeah, but it seems to be there now and he, he's had stern tests you know we, we've just gone through a run of games where we've played Chelsea Manchester United and Manchester City and he, uh, he looked at home yeah exactly well I mean it's, looking at the game I mean the same game last year we won 2-0 and Although we won this game two 0 as well, the how much we've advanced and Newcastle have just stood still. It's yeah, it just shows you. No, that's a good point in terms of uh, progression. It was kind of a similar game last year, though. I remember because they were bloody awful in the first half last year. We were two 0 up at half time, and then the second half became almost a bit of a non-event because I remember in both yeah, games, it was done and dusted. yeah, it was done and dusted. You thought, well, they're not going to get two here, and you you always thought that at two 0 that it was game over, especially when we scored the second as well. You just thought, we've got another gear and we can bring a few guys off the bench who could actually give us a bit of extra firepower. I think we we could, probably should have gone through the gears and at least got the third and then we could have relaxed. We when they were 2-0 the down, 2-0 down, they, they were still 11 men behind the ball. It was like damage limitation tactics, wasn't it? No, you know, you're looking at our next game against Burnley. If we were 2-0 up against Burnley, I'm still not sitting safe because they have a plan to get at you and get back. And, you know, they've got Phil Shaw's favourite strikers in their uh, squad. <laughs> Squad. And and they're you know quite capable of getting back in games as they've done against us uh, previously. Yeah. So the the fact that Newcastle had nothing and they were just sitting behind the ball, it was it was pretty bizarre and uh, it made the second half a bit of a kind of a lackluster affair. They just don't offer anything. As I said, they're passive. They're passive with the ball. They're passive without it. Going back to the Villa personnel, we, we mentioned is recycling, and I, I think I called him marvelous recycler Nakamba. I think he had a very good game. It's, yeah, he did. Did exactly what. Uh, Smith wanted him to do just kept the ball recycled played it simple yeah, I think he ended up with a uh, 98.5 pass completion which shows you how safe he was playing but it, you know he didn't overcommit anything he didn't try to be clever and didn't need uh, that, to. Was the, that was the thing with him I think they've had to clip his wings a little bit because previously as when he had to think too much that's when the problem uh, would normally arise but here he was uh, he, he was fine I mean he, he would benefit from a run of games but I don't think he'll get it obviously with McGinn coming back no, he really looked like he was enjoying the match as well. He looked like he, there was one uh, in the second half where he had the te- uh, cover for Mings, lost it on the the left hand side and the halfway line, and the Campbell went the whole way back and just saw it out of play. And it was just no nonsense, no fuss or nothing. It was just such a difference yeah. from last year. So even he's improving, but he's he's the perfect squad player to have. You just need a player to put in there to if if the need arises. Well, what you want him to do, and you want him to develop to the to the level that you can rely on him. It is like if we're two one up against somebody good you bring him on 10 minutes to go and you and hopefully he's going to uh sure you up sure you up and uh, break up their play and if he can get to that level where with where fans are actually saying right it's time to bring on Nakamba then you know he's a proper squad player yeah it's like a finisher isn't it Glenn Whelan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe not putting my penalties, though, eh? So I was probably thinking more like Kante. Uh... I think, ultimately, it was, it was a good game for him because, to be honest, he was probably up against John Joe Shelby, who is not asked about tackling yeah. or and the, the, anything, what, I really. mean, they weren't very dynamic in no, the middle of the park at all. They didn't pressure him at all. They just bypassed it and lumped it I up mean, to Traore, the two big guys. Had, it was like, he was like a gazelle. He had the freedom of, you know, of the park, and he was scheming. You know, he was turning up on the left-hand side as well. And then buried it with his right foot when and, he got the chance. Well, I finished that. Yeah, was. I think I joked that. Oh, good. He's been practicing on his right. I think it's his third goal out of five on his right. Actually, yeah. Uh, he's been practicing over this COVID uh, breakdown on uh, to develop his right foot. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a great finish actually. 
And you saw some of his little touches, didn't you? Yeah. No, he, he loves a crossfield ball as well. That that left foot's a wand. He just takes it from one side of the pitch to the other and just the swerve on it and everything else. I mean, I don't see anybody else trying that. Yeah, I, I still maintain he's a, he's a wild card. And and I say a wild card in, in good respects as well because the opposition don't know what they're going to get from him as well. You know, we don't know what we're going to get from him. and But he's producing now. And uh, you've just seen that, that tier of... Uh, we had a good 11 before... But I think now with El Ghazi coming into play, Truore coming into play, Nakamba stepping up. The new guy coming in. Where we, he's, the jury's still out. But we suddenly got a good 13, 14. If the new guy steps up, that's you know good 15. And big suddenly man back you, soon. Big man back soon. You're suddenly getting a, a, a squad with depth. And, and Hawes. Let's not forget Hawes, of course. You know, did a, had a really yeah, good spell over Yeah, he stepped up season. when he came in. So uh, this is the, uh, the interesting bit. I mean, some supporters have dismissed some of these players, but... Uh, a lot of these players, you know, they're still a, a year. This is like their second season, and a lot of them are young, and you know, they're finding their feet here. And I talk about, you know, dismissing players. Certainly, the press did. You know, when they talked about the the, the, the sort of how crap our business had been the previous. That's what summer. I was referring to. Yeah, yeah, and you look at how these guys, you know, the likes of Trezeguet, Al Ghazi, have come and improved. It shows that the Smith and the coaching team have really done a job on these players, and they've settled in. You know how how good Louise has got. How you know the improvement in Konza. You know, they've just they've, they've they've got it right. All of a sudden, the 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 huge investment you know for that first season in the Premier League looks like reasonably money money well spent. When even just from a cold hard economics point of view, you, know, you look at profit you're probably going to make on a Louise, definitely on Conza. You know, Matt Target you're going to make money on uh, El Ghazi. You probably will Trezeguet. You will. It's like all of a sudden you think, yeah, fair play to Perslow. Yeah, but I mean, I, I prefer to look at uh, look at it not through the prism of business, but uh, actual ability. And you, and you know, I was watching Troy do his thing. I was thinking, right, yeah, now and now I get why they've got him in. Mm-hmm. S- similar with uh, even like Nakamba, you, you're starting to think, yeah, if he can, if he holds it together like that, and you know, Conza as well. He was, you know, a player that he may work, he may not when he came in. There was no guarantees with him, but he's developed uh, big time, like Target, as we mentioned, over the last, uh, let's say, the end of, uh, let's say, Project Restart onwards. Mm-hmm. Hopefully these players aren't just really good behind closed doors, and when the, the crowds come back, they just uh, reset to uh, <laughs> a lower, lower level because they can't mentally handle the uh, 40,000. We, we shall see. Big, big signs around Villa Park. Just quiet, please, quiet, please. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend you're not here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it's uh, it's promising. Uh, I mean, Ross Barkley. I think he needs th- uh, four or five games under his belt, yeah. belt to get uh, to be that kind of major influence figure in the team. I and mean, even like you know McGinn getting the you know a rest in the game, he, he won't have enjoyed being sat in on the you know. But the, the good thing is he, it keeps him fresher for Burnley. Which, yeah, it's uh, a bit of natural sort of rotation's been forced upon us over the festive yeah. season and through January, really. I mean, you know, a few players and have had breaks. Speaking of Burnley, I'd rather have McGinn in for that game because yeah. they've suddenly, uh, they've got their mojo back after beating Liverpool and they also thumped Fulham in the, uh, the FA Cup. Yeah. And uh, Rodriguez is starting to score again, our favourite player. Oh, God. Don't worry, Phil. There's still a week or so of the transfer window yet. We can still get Rodriguez. <laughs> I just can't. I've no, I've no words anymore. Sorry, if you haven't heard this podcast before, uh, when asked who we should get, Phil normally uh, talks about uh, Rodriguez as, a, as an option. And Vidra. Yeah, and Vidra. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else to add to this? No, just just a job well done. We needed a win because uh, we've had tough competition. We've had the last you know three or so games, and uh, decisions haven't gone to us. And this, what would this have been? This would have been fifth game without a win, including yeah. the uh, FA Cup. Yeah, and we needed to just get the points on the board to get back up into eighth. I mean, looking at the table, actually, uh, the interesting thing is those games that got postponed against Everton and Spurs. I think they are the ones that will define what kind of uh, mm-hmm. finish to the season where we're going to end up because they were the teams really in our ballpark at the moment and we are behind them like legit you know even if we win our games in hand or game in hand I don't think we have one uh, on Everton so these are teams we need to beat if we are to uh, challenge let's say for the top six well I think we need two in, in those four games home and away I think we've got to get two victories there You'd like, yeah, you'd like to think so. You want to, you want to take a scalp off them in one of them, be it home or away. Yeah, the reality is, I don't, I don't think we're going for top four, but I think it, we we could actually have a have a have a crack at top six, seven, and then you never know, you know, depending on what happens with the FA Cup, you you, you know, European places could go down to seventh this year. So, 
as you know, as long as we uh, stay injury free and uh, Mister Sanson is uh, gets hits the ground running. I mean, just on him very very quickly we'll talk about him more when uh, it's signed sealed and delivered but i think most of it for me is opportunity knocks because of yep. what's happening in the french league and it's more long term in the fact it also offers up a guarantee like ross barkley you know he leaves at the end of this season we don't know what the situation is in terms of will they want him back or can they get him back is it good business to get him back because it's not going to be cheap so uh, a lot of sanson coming in it would be uh, i think the opportunity came now rather than in the summer so they thought right let's get him yeah well, it wasn't weren't um west west ham were in for him last year and it was 25 million that got rejected and to, to get in for sort of the best part of 15 you think yeah well have there's that. been a lot of talk about you know arsenal and spurs and uh, all kinds of uh, people. So it's, it's interesting why the gateways opened up for Villa at this moment at, at half of uh, what was being offered before and why the other teams, maybe they bought in that position. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked at uh, what their needs are at this time. It's still a relatively stagnant market, I would say, especially towards the top of the table. You're yeah. not seeing sort of huge amounts of money being but thrown anyway, around. It's, uh, yeah, if we get another signing after him, I would be uh, very surprised unless uh, big man back soon is not so soon and we do uh, look mm. at the option of uh, some lone striker or something but apart from that I wouldn't expect much no nah. anyway I think it's time since we played Newcastle one of our favourite players that we actually got off Newcastle and then sold back to Newcastle Mr Nobby Solano is the subject of overrated or underrated <laughs> Right, Mr. Noberto, Nolberto Solano. Why did we get him? Because didn't didn't Opera- he end up leaving? He sort of got phased out, didn't he? By um, he fell out by Bobby Bobby Robson. Robson, didn't he? Yeah, I thought it was impossible to fall out with Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson's like Santa Claus; you can't fall out with him. I thought every player loved him. Yeah, yeah, everybody loved Bobby Robson. You know, he'd been uh, at Newcastle for about five and a half years. He was a bit of a legend up there, no, they loved him. Yeah, so that was a bit of a strange one. I think from Villa's point of view, it was like, yeah, we'll have him. <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah. It was like, oh, bonus ball. <laughs> we got him when he was around 30. So you've got him in kind of his prime time. So you're a bit surprised to get him uh, at that time at Villa. Well, it, was, it, was a, it was a relative you know, a coup getting him at the time. You thought, oh, this is a guy who will, will slot in nicely to a team that wasn't, we weren't great. To be frank, at that time, were we? Um, under, this is under David O'Leary, yeah. At the time, uh, Solano said, to be honest, I never wanted to leave, and that's Newcastle, but at the time, Bobby Robson was a little bit funny with me. So I told my agent that I wanted to play football. So I think he was obviously not being a regular uh, first team uh, at that time. And, you know, he's getting, it's like a bit of a Conor Hurahan where he's getting, uh, you know, to that 30-year-old Mark... Would that have been around about the era when they'd have had the likes of sort of Lee Bowyer, Kieran Dyer, um, even like Jermaine Jenis? Yeah. They? they had a pretty good side, if I remember, in that era. So it's probably that he was being phased out slightly. He said Villa came in and gave me that opportunity to play football and I had a great time there. There, I was player of the year in 2004-2005. stroke well, he did. Yeah. He had a very good season. I remember that unbelievable goal he scored against Spurs where he kind of, the ball fell to him from a corner, I think. It bounced up, he flicked it up and then sort of hooked it over his shoulder like an overhead kick. It was a brilliant goal. And then he scored an amazing free kick at the whole end, I remember, against Fulham. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a great To goal. me, he's one of these players that uh, you're glad he's there because he's, he's not actually been bought as part of a team that's been built like there's no master plan it's like oh he's a good player opportunity to get him in and as a fan you're thinking well this team's pretty shit oh good at least i get to see solano when i turn up at villa park a lot of creativity to him because the the, the midfield was solid if not spectacular yeah mccann was in the rounds wasn't he yeah we had lee hendry and then obviously Stephen Davis was, was around through. as well Barry Barry was still more of a was, defensive player then, wasn't he? He hadn't, he yeah. hadn't made the full switch. But he, was, at he that would point. still take free kicks and and stuff uh, when it was in the opposition's half. That was a bit of a strange team, and we were getting in like Kevin Kevin Phillips as well. Uh, Carlton Cole. Yeah, it was a kind of a we were kind of snatching players where we could ever get them, and you know we're talking around uh, if you get something for a million, that's where that's where we were pitching up. Well, this is this was just at the point where Ellis was starting to think about selling up, wasn't it? And he'd, he'd really tightened the purse. Yeah, strings. well, he was still a couple of years off uh, selling. 
But I don't know if it, lack of faith in O'Leary. I mean, it's all began to uh, fall away from this point on. And and it was weird. What I couldn't understand was why Solano left so soon. I mean, he had a year and a half, and he had, you know he was player of the season, and then he ends up back at Newcastle after rejecting a move to Liverpool. There's a lot of strange transfers around that time, just in and out, sort of very quickly. It's like it was almost as if it was balancing the books the whole time. Before uh, you know, we go on to why he left filler. I mean, I actually went to his last game away against Portsmouth. There was this passage of play, which was the most bizarre minute of football where I didn't actually know what was happening. Villa won a free kick and I was right behind the goal. So your view's not su- you know, super because you know, they've got the nets there and everything. But we took the free kick. Barry whipped it in from the right, curled it inwards, and uh, Phillips got a glancing header on it, 1-0. And then... You looked and Solano had gone off and we didn't actually see him being sent off. I don't know if it was, there was a few around me going, what, what's, what's going on? Why, why is Solano being you know, sent off? Why is he you know, trudging off? And he'd got sent off in the lead up to this free kick. So literally within, uh, within a few seconds, we'd scored. We actually hadn't, pl- I don't think we'd played any minutes with 10 men. He'd literally got sent off. Because I think he elbowed, uh, allegedly, apparently you know, there was no contact. And we got a free kick at the same moment. I think this is like off the ball type thing. It was that kind of weird uh, mixed emotions of like, we've just scored, but we've just gone down to 10 men at exactly the same time. It ended up one all. Uh, Loire Loire scored a, a bit of a rasper cutting in from the left and just kind of bulleted it in the top-hand corner past Sorensen. And uh, he did one somersault and he used to do like, uh, he was like Olympic gymnast where he does about three flips. And I think he got injured celebrating against Southampton, so he had to tone it down. And that was the first time he'd uh, scored since then. But that was the last game uh, Solano ever played. And then there was rumours that Liverpool were after him. And you just, you're thinking, well, what, you know, why, why isn't he staying here? Because he's just won player of the year. And then uh, he ends up, he turns down Liverpool and ends up uh, 1.5 million, goes back to Newcastle. But we got James Milner on a season loan in return. And I think they must have weighed that up. Nobby's getting uh, homesick, wants to go back. Robson had gone. Yeah, Robson had gone. So there'd obviously been... Uh, conversations behind the scenes that apparently uh alan shearer pulled the strings got him back there because newcastle were going through a bit of a rocky uh, stage and their favorite son decided to get involved but i think from a villa point of view the sweetener was because we got milner and you know he was uh at that stage there was rooney and then there was milner he was like the second uh he thought that the wonder kid he was really because he scored really young didn't he milner he scored i think he was the youngest goal scorer in the premier yeah League. he was playing for yeah, leeds so that's where he kind of kicked off and then leeds had to fire sale didn't they when all the when all shit in the thing yeah he was seen as more of a like a practical. He wasn't like he didn't have the uh, you know he wasn't like a Theo Walcock or Rooney. He didn't get all that hype when he was a young kid. He was more like the practical uh, bright young hope. So getting him for a season, we we knew we were getting somebody good, and we needed somebody uh, to up, up our levels. If you had him and Solana, you'd be laughing. I think. Oh, both! Imagine both players in in their pomp as yeah, well. Yeah, I think Milner. He was. I mean, he got into his pomp. I think when he came back to us permanently, he yeah. he was still on his way up uh, at that stage. I think. Yeah, probably wouldn't have got him back if we hadn't had him on loan for that season. He, he knew what no. the setup was and everything else, so it, it paved the way. Yeah, no, exactly. It was like playing the long game uh, ultimately, and uh, Solano was the sacrifice for that long game. Solano. Then he had a, Solano had a weird uh, career because you're thinking uh, you can. Probably go anywhere. I mean, he had he had an okayish time uh, at Newcastle for a couple of seasons. Then he ended up. Did he go to Greece? Went to West Ham first. Yeah, sorry, West Ham. So I think LA uh, Galaxy were after him at that time. He perhaps could have gone there. I don't know what the state of play with the Galaxy was at that stage. I think they got bigger once Beckham got there, didn't they? Yeah. In terms of profile. And then he kind of just swapped clubs every season for the next sort of five or six seasons after that. Because he ended up at places like Leicester, Hull City for a few games. And, and then Hartley in the northeast. Hartlepool United. <laughs> Spiritual home. This is like a god in Peru. Well, you know, why don't you go back there rather than ended up in Hartlepool? In terms of regrets, he said, I regret not winning a trophy at Newcastle. But I <laughs> well, mean, come on. Everyone- that, that's like... <laughs> that's like Mission Impossible, Nobby. You, you're never going to uh, win a trophy with Newcastle. That's, that's a God-given fact. Not what they do. So where is he now? He's involved in the national setup. He's the sole manager of the Peruvian Olympic team, and he's assistant to the national team. I think he's the under-23s uh, Peru coach as well. Yeah. That was his, uh, the last thing I've seen attributed to him. 
Well, strictly speaking, where is he now? Well, he's he's um, you know he's in lockdown like everybody else in the world, or rather not. Well, he was. <laughs> yeah, because he broke lockdown, didn't he? Apparently, over there. Yeah, going back to March uh, last year when uh, he was arrested after uh, police was were called to a neighbour's uh, because of loud music being played, and they found uh, Solano in a in a house owned by his friends nearby to his own house. And uh, that broke the ruling in Peru that uh, nobody should, it was just basically a lockdown, nobody should leave their homes. Yeah, Solano said his excuse was, I, I've been to you know my friend's house with my children. The only thing I did was uh, go to a neighbor's house and I was there, with, I think with his daughter in their house. I think it was just like a house party. It's one of those things that in normal life is no big deal whatsoever. It's uh, it's just the, the way the world's uh, come now. But uh, anyway, don't don't be like Nobby. Stay at home. Yeah, don't be a Nobby. <laughs> don't be a Nobby. Stay at home. But underrated or overrated? I have to say underrated. I mean, he played with Maradona at Boca Juniors and Maradona called him the Mastrito, like the maestro. So if, if Diego says that, he's definitely underrated. If he's good enough to play with like Gavin McCann, the maestro, he's underrated. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did, did he call? Yeah, what did he call Gavin McCann? What, what would Maradona call Gavin McCann? More to the point, El, El Crapito. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Gavin. Chris Bird. I'm gonna. Go, you have to. I've got to go underrated. I mean, I always used to really like him when he was at Newcastle. He's one of those players when he, you know, as, as a as a sort of a visiting player, you thought, yeah, he's a good player, man. You'd quite like him in our team, and he had a really good season at Villa, and you know, went on and did, you know, had a reasonable career after he left Villa. You just think, yeah, fair play to the guy. Shame, shame he left when he did. We probably could and should have got a second good season out of him. I would, I would say underrated because, as you say, you know, super likable, but also in that team, it was a bit of a turgid time and he and he brought some sparkle and he gave you a reason to actually yeah, uh, I'd agree with go that. to games scored some good goals and as we just said the long you know in the long game he was the make weight that got James Milner to Villa the first time which you know paved the way for him to uh, come on a permanent basis so uh, in terms so, of that thanks thanks Nobby <laughs> in the end we didn't lose out because we got Milner in so uh, underrated for Mr. Nobby Solano and hopefully he didn't get uh, fined too much by the uh, Peruvian authorities for his lockdown breach. Right, that brings an end to another show. Thank you very much for listening. We now uh, end January with two matches against teams that we have failed to beat in the previous encounters. So this is uh, the the next test in terms of how Villa are developing. Can they take care of business? Yeah, a couple of tricky tricky little trips, isn't it? Yeah, Southampton blew us away. I mean, the scoreline looks like it was a a close game, but uh, when one team's 4-0 up, that means it's game over and they, they took the foot off the gas big time. And our goals, the last two goals, came very late. So it was over as a contest. So it'll be interesting. Them in Leeds, I'm looking forward to seeing how we do when we play them again. Mm-hmm. Just as a yardstick. Also uh, to see how Smith adapts and grows and learns and uh, you know see what he does to counter what happened in the previous game. Burnley, I think there's... Uh there's an opportunity there for three points, but it's not going to be easy because they, they don't lie down like Newcastle. No, they're a very physical, sort of powerful team who will throw things at you. And they're yeah. effective. Yeah, they are. And they're well-drilled. You know, Dyche has a way of playing that has worked for them for a number of years. The myth. <laughs> the myth. <laughs> right, anyway, so uh, until those shows where we talk about those games, take care out there. Don't be a knobby. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.